Hey everybody, it's Drags, and this week on episode three of Jungle Roar, a Cincy football podcast, we'll talk about the first impressions of training camp as the Bengals prepare this week to put on the pads for the very first time in training camp. Today, I welcome Jason Markham of Cincy Jungle and CincyJungle.com on SB Nation. He is the site manager for Cincy Jungle and also a sea of blue for you UK fans out there. Writer for SB Nation. Follow Jason at Markham89 on Twitter. I get all that right, Jason? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it is our pleasure. You do uh, tremendous work on Cincy Jungle. Obviously, Bengal fans are very, very familiar uh, with not only you, but your site and the work you guys, the great work you guys put out. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Joe Burrow has made his debut in the 2021 Bengals training camp, which opened uh, last week outside Paul Brown Stadium. And uh, I think his arm definitely looks stronger for all the talk that there has been of him working on his mechanics, working on his release and trying to get the ball down downfield with more authority. I think that's worked out. Um, I think is uh, it's just for him, a matter of the timing, getting used to some of the new receivers like the first round uh, pick Jamar chase uh, kind of get into a rhythm of offense, which really frankly has not been there in the first several or first several days of training camp. Yeah, the, they've, struggled to find some offensive identity since Zach Taylor's got there. I mean, they went from Andy Dalton to now Burrow. And, you know, just as they were kind of starting to find some rhythm last season, he gets hurt, misses the rest of the year. You know, the ACL recovery, I mean, he was able to do some light throwing this offseason, but he wasn't able to go full, you know, like a lot right. of quarterbacks do with the receivers. So, and even though he has some chemistry with Chase, I mean, this is an NFL offense. This is a different animal. So, he, they've still got to get that, you know, NFL chemistry down. And, you know, the Bengals, they did go out and spend a lot of money on the defense. They got Shadobi and Wuze and uh, Mike Hilton, two really nice corners. Uh, the early reviews, oh, and Trey Wayne's is back. He missed all of last season with a peck injury. So those three guys, those are, you know, going to be three of their better defenders. And so far, it sounds like they're locking every, they're locking the guys down. Uh, so, and I saw today uh, Burrow threw an interception, I think, to Jermaine Pratt. That's a guy they really, they really believe can take a big step forward in this defense now that he's had a few years in the system. So uh, it's definitely been run by the defense so far in training camp, but uh, I'm not too worried about it right now. I mean, we were just talking earlier, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, arguably the best quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah. He threw three picks today, you know, so y you just can't worry too much about early training camp woes when, you know, off, they're still installing new plays in the offense, new red zone plays. They really want to expand the, the playbook this year with Burrow, and they're putting a lot on his, you know, shoulders. And he's having some interceptions early on, but uh, let's wait and see how it goes once the preseason starts before we worry a little. I would absolutely agree with that. Speaking with Jason Markham of uh, Cincy Jungle, uh, you can follow his work on SB Nation at CincyJungle.com. That Jermaine Pratt uh, interception happened right in front of me. I was on the sideline, and you could tell what Pratt was doing. He undercut the route, which is a great read, a great job by him. That's what he's supposed to do. But I learned this covering Tom Brady uh, with the Patriots up in New England for you know over 20 years. 
quarterbacks will try throws in training camp that they wouldn't necessarily try uh, in the regular season or even preseason for that matter, but especially in the regular season because they want to know if they can complete it. Is that a look that if I see it in a game, I don't want to throw it over the middle. It was intended for Jamar Chase. As a matter of fact, it was a crossing pattern and Pratt uh, just undercut it. And that is, you know, a teaching moment, if you will, for a uh, quarterback and a head coach like Zach Taylor, who, as we all know, is also the offensive play caller to sit down in the film room and go, okay, what did you see? Did you pick up Jermaine Pratt or did he come out of nowhere? And is that something you need to be aware of uh, in a regular season game? Right. I mean, that's what, you know, that kind of situation, it's a teaching moment, uh, Jason, for uh, both uh, the quarterback uh, Joe Burrow and head coach Zach Taylor. Absolutely. And to Pratt's credit, he, uh, was briefly a safety actually at NC State, so he he's actually point. been yeah. a defensive back. They drafted him, you know, really thinking he could be the new version, you know, the new NFL standard at linebacker. You know, guys that you know they're decent tacklers, but really they're great in coverage. You know, because you're middle linebacker now, he has to he has Absolutely. to be all over the field. He has to be able to drop in coverage, and that's another thing. You know, we you know know that the Bengals have had their struggles with the linebacking core uh, over the last four to five seasons, right? I mean that that was even at the end of the Marvin Lewis era, they had trouble with their linebacking core in terms of their ability of getting enough guys to be able to cover. I saw it in New England again up close and personal they had their issues when uh, teams would attack them especially Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes when they would attack the New England defense it was on the edges they had trouble finding linebackers who could cover off the edge and you know probably the same thing around many other teams in the NFL I mean don't you think I mean that that's definitely that's definitely the case oh yeah for sure you know, and uh, what I've seen so far, not only of Jermaine Pratt, he's been very active, but uh, Logan Wilson spoke to us uh, on, uh, I believe it was Saturday. Uh, he talked about, you know, the communication that is really coming together nicely among the linebacking core. And I think it's a good example that uh, I think this defense is going to be a lot more active and it's going to be a lot more versatile. And it's up to Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, to really put all the pieces together. I think very quietly, he is much more excited about this defensive unit. If they can all stay on the field, uh, Trey Wayne's mispractice on uh, Monday with a slight hamstring strain. Zach Taylor said afterward, it's not a big deal. Doesn't expect him to miss much time uh, whatsoever. But if they can get all of the guys together on the same page, Mike Hilton spoke to us on Monday. Uh, he is somebody that every Bengal fan knows what kind of impact he was off the slot corner blitz um, with the Steelers. Maybe we'll see some of that same uh, impact here in Cincinnati. I would, I think a lot of Bengal fans would love to see a more aggressive uh, defense from Lou Anarumo this year. Absolutely. And that's a big reason they got Mike Hilton from the Steelers. He's been a key player for them and they've usually had great defenses since he's been there. He's very vocal. One of the early storylines in camp has been how vocal he's been and how he's become a leader already in that defense and how they've got better chemistry, better communication so far. And they're even trash talking the offense so far. Yeah, that's well, something. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that's that defense has not been able to trash talk much at all. So and they but they've earned the right to so far. They're shutting down the offense. That is something that Zach Taylor noted on 
Monday after practice. He said, from the beginning of practice to the very end, the defense set the tone. Um, I thought there was a, a great moment early on. It was seven on sevens, but still an important teaching moment uh, for a rookie in Jamar Chase. He caught a pass out in the right flat uh, from Joe Burrow. And as soon as he turned, there was Jesse Bates ready there to strip the ball. And as a matter of fact, I believe it was Jermaine Pratt or somebody else that picked it up and returned it for what would have been an easy six points defensively. And he said, I asked uh, Zach Taylor about that. And I said, isn't that a great way to really start uh, a tone with your defense throughout practice? And he said, that's what we're looking for uh, really all season long. We want our defense to go into games ready to set a tone and be more aggressive and take the ball away. Everybody and their brother knows how much trouble the Bengals had last year, generating uh, not only points off their defense, but just generating uh, turnovers uh, from their defense. And that's something that has to improve in 2021. And, you know, we need to give some credit to Lou Anarumo. I mean, he's been a career secondary coach and he just became a defensive coordinator when Zach Taylor got here. So he's adjusting too. he's learning too. even though he's in his fifties, he's still learning how to be a defensive play caller. What works, what doesn't work. And he's had some nice stretches, especially last year. And right now it's looking like he's really getting it down with this defense. Now that he has more pieces, not just Jesse Bates. Well, right. And the other thing I would tell you and tell Bengal fans is you can tell early on here in camp that the Bengals defense is doing a much better job of swarming to the football, swarming to the ball carrier. And a lot, there's been a lot of talk so far about the, what Mike Hilton has brought over from Pittsburgh, uh, the loaf stat, as it were, uh, making sure that everybody is going full speed at all times when they identify where the ball is on the field after the pass has been completed or the run has been underway is everybody on defense swarming to the ball. Now that doesn't mean over pursuing, right, Jason? It just means that everybody is in full go go towards the ball and not jogging and assuming anything. Absolutely. And, um, Back when Palmer and Chad were at their prime in 2005, 6, 7, the Bengals' defenses, in terms of yards allowed, they were ranking, you know, in the 20s, sometimes 30s, but they were forcing a lot of turnovers. And with the offensive firepower they had, that allowed them to win, scoring, you know, 40, 50 points a game. And maybe that's what we'll see with this kind. You know, they're playing really aggressive early on. They're not just going for turnovers, but – I think I saw today they forced like two turnovers within like a three, four play stretch. So, you know, with the offensive firepower the Bengals have, if they get it going, you know, maybe we'll see them winning games like 40 to 30. Well, and, you know, if they do that, Jason, speaking with Jason Markham of Cincy Jungle on SB Nation, follow Jason at Markham89 on Twitter. If they're able to do that, Jason, uh, they're going to take a lot of pressure off the offense. I mean, Ideally, when people ask me uh, about complementary football and, and that type of football that championship teams really uh, embrace and, and do a good job of following uh, that formula, um, it is about the offense staying on the field a good while and converting third downs and the defense getting off the field on third downs. Both of those categories, the Bengals in the first two years of uh, Zach Taylor have been in the bottom third of the AFC. That's got to improve. 
Yeah, and, you know, ironically, those were two areas they did really good in last season in their two biggest wins against the Titans and the Steelers. Yep. Those were games they got turnovers. They four, they got three and outs consistently, and they produced enough points. And even without Burrow against the Steelers, they won because of their defense. Well, and, and the other thing I would I'd tell you, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but, you know, that Pittsburgh game to me, you know, with Ryan Finley and, and, and all of the kind of weird things that happened, the Bengals get up 17 nothing at halftime, Steelers come out hot out of the locker room, and then the Bengals able to stem the tide. It just had some weird ups and downs to it. Obviously, the highlight was Von Bell, uh, you know, decking Juju Smith-Schuster near midfield. That really set a tone. But the best game of the year to me all around was the Tennessee game because you beat up a Super Bowl-caliber team on your home field. Both sides of the line of scrimmage uh, really did a great job, and they got some breaks. They got a turnover, as we've been talking about turnovers. They got a turnover in the red zone off Ryan uh, Tannehill, uh, if you remember, in that first quarter, and they had a Stephen Guskowski missed field goal on a makeable 50-yarder. Wind wasn't really howling that day, but the, they forced a missed, turn, uh, a missed field goal, and he got an interception early in that game, and it really turned the tide. Yeah, and you bring up another good point about kicker. Um, they had so many games last year where kick, their kicker just killed them. It killed momentum, and they took Evan McPherson. He was the only kicker drafted this year, and it went in the fifth round. They really expect him to be maybe their best kicker since Shane Graham. And if you can get more consistency there, then you're going to, again, take more pressure off your defense. You're not going to you know, miss a 40-yarder and put him right back on the field and – that could real that will really help that defense more. Jason, there has not been a subject that I've tweeted about, that I've reported on, uh, that I've talked to other people about, uh, whether it's online or offline, that has generated more interest in Bengaldom than the kicking position this year. And there are people who tell me, and I and I, there's some logical explanation to this. You know, after what happened with Jake Bailey, there is no way Evan McPherson is not making the team, barring a complete meltdown, which has not happened so far. He went five of six on Monday. Uh, he had made uh, good from 28, 32, 35, 39, and 42. He missed uh, a 46-yarder, and his only other miss of camp was from 60 in that in-stadium uh, practice on uh, Saturday at Paul Brown. Um, you agree with that, that this is Evan McPherson's job to lose. Oh, absolutely. And people forget Jake Elliott did have a complete meltdown. I mean, at this point in camp, he was already starting to have his meltdown and that there was no choice to cut him and keep Randy Bullock who at that point in his career had had some nice moments. He'd proven a lot more at that point than Austin Seibert has. So it's, it's just no comparison for now. I mean, as long as McPherson goes out there and keeps producing, he'll be fine. Yeah, and you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, even Marvin Lewis, when he cut, when they cut Jake Elliott, even he said, if it had just been close, if he just shown, you know, a little more consistency, they would have kept the rookie over Bullock. But he did nothing. It was like everyone that watched it was like they have to keep Bullock. I said Jake Bailey, right? I I meant Jake. Jake Elliott. Elliott yeah. Yes, I did mean Jake Elliott. Sorry about that. Want to make sure we are uh, as accurate as possible here on Jungle Roar, as Cincy football podcast um yeah i austin siebert uh, both of them look good on kicks i asked uh, uh special teams coach darren simmons on monday uh whether or not uh the kickoff game might impact 
uh, whether or not uh, the two kickers, if they're close coming down the stretch, who would make the roster, who wouldn't. And he said not it factors in, but look, we're looking for guys who can convert and put points on the scoreboard. That's by far and away the number one priority of our kicker. And that tells me that if, again, if Evan McPherson can stay on the field and, and not show signs of nerves and kick outdoors, which is another thing uh, Darren Sim- Simmons brought up to me on Monday. You know, we play in Baltimore. We play in Pittsburgh. They play in uh, Cleveland in December. Those are all big factors, right? Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned Darren Simmons. His special teams are consistently among the best, especially his coverage units. That's why Zach Taylor, if he knows if, you know, uh, I'm sorry, McPherson's kicks are short he knows Darren Simmons coverage units are going to be on it. And so he doesn't have it. He's not going to be worried about those kickoffs being a little short. Let me bring up a possibility. I don't think this is going to happen because I think the Bengals first half of the season shapes up very favorably in terms of their schedule. They have um, obviously Minnesota right out of the gate and Mike Zimmer's club at Paul Brown stadium. Then they have, um, Chicago at Chicago, which I still think is a very winnable game. Maybe Andy Dalton again, obviously uh, at quarterback and, and maybe, um, you know, we'll, we'll see the rookie out of Ohio state there, Justin Fields. I don't know. I think it'll probably be Andy Dalton at that stage of the season. Then they have a game at Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh this year is going to be down. I think that's a winnable game for the Bengals. I think they're going to want to make a statement in the division, their first division game. They're going to definitely want to make the statement. Then they've got Jacksonville on the Thursday night, you know, the ring of honor game that's going and the, the 40th anniversary of the 81 team uh, is going to be honored before that game or halftime. I forget, uh, but it's going to be honored uh, that night as well. They should win that game as well. The point is, I think they're going to get off to a good start. If they do not get off to a good start, I think Darren Simmons is that coach in waiting uh, if they were ever to pull the plug on Zach Taylor. Absolutely. And like you said, with the the start they have, they have to come out of that with at the very least two and two. I mean, they start getting, you know, they can't start like they have these last couple of seasons under Zach. They have to have more than three, four wins when they get to the, you know, the bye week. Oh, there's no question. I mean, I think they could be six and oh going into Baltimore. That's I'm off. And maybe, you know, people listening to this are saying, are you nuts? But if, if they beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, that's the linchpin to the first half of the season for me, right? If they can beat, win that game, the other games on the schedule are very winnable. And, you know, they have a game at Detroit. uh, I believe it is. Um, They have, uh, another home game. And then they have a jet game in New York, I believe right before the, or no, they have a get home game against the Browns right before the bye, And then I believe um, they have the jets somewhere in there before uh, that Browns game. But anyway, the first half of the season to me, they have to go six and two, something like that. If they want to make the second half of the season relevant. The schedule sets up perfect for them to build up their confidence and go into that second half of the season believing, you know, maybe they can upset one of these teams. Maybe they can get a win at Cleveland or against the Ravens or, you know, probably not Kansas City. No. But but maybe the Packers. I mean, who knows what they're going to look like. That's the game. Yes. That is the other big game in the first half of the – thank you for saying that, Jason. Um, That's the other game in the first half of the season to me that – 
I could see them getting blown out like they did a couple of years ago against the 49ers in week two after that close call at Seattle, losing Zach Taylor's first game 21-20, and they get, come home. And there's a lot of optimism uh, in that game. Zach Taylor's first game at Paul Brown Stadium, and they absolutely get annihilated. And it could turn out like that, or Aaron Rodgers could still be finding his way with and not yet in scorched earth mode as a lot of people think he's going to be and going through this season for the Packers. And I think maybe the Bengals uh, keep up with them and uh, pull off the upset uh, like they did, you know, what, eight years ago when they were trailing 30 to 14, I think it was, and won 34 to 30. That was, a, uh, you know, that's still one of my favorite Bengal games that I remember watching remotely, watching how the Bengals came from behind and won that game. Yeah, that, that was definitely one of the, the best wins of the last decade, for sure. No question. And that's one of, if I recall, one of Andy Dalton's uh, finest hours. That and, and the other game has to be Seattle, right? The game they won in overtime at Paul Brown Stadium. That has to be another game that sticks out to me as, you know, a game that they, nobody gave them a, thought, uh, gave them a chance when they were down against a, a team that had just won a Super Bowl and they came back and won that game. The, those are the kind of moments I'm, I'm waiting on this Zach Taylor Bengal team to produce. Everybody and their brother keeps bringing up, Jason, that they get a sense that Zach Taylor is like David Shula. I don't necessarily get that sense because I think this roster is much deeper. Uh, I think they have more leaders. I love Joe Burrow as a leader. Do you have a sense yet uh, in your mind what kind of leader Joe Burrow is going to be in year number two? Oh, he's uh, as good as you can be. He absolutely, he's so committed to the game and he's so committed to his teammates. He, do, he always wants to deflect praise. He always wants to single out his offensive linemen, his receivers, his coaches. He, all, he is the ultimate team guy and he always brings it. What do you think is going to be the biggest question mark going into the season? Is it going to be gaining a pass rush? Is it going to be able to uh, stop the run? What, what, what do you think it's going to be uh, Joe Burrow's uh, health, uh, his confidence that he shows in the pocket when he's throwing or, you know, waiting for a, a pattern to develop deep? Can he stay in the pocket and look comfortable and make an accurate throw? What, what is on your mind in terms of questions that have to be answered, especially early on? It's the offensive line for sure. I mean, if the defense sucks, it just sucks. If the receivers right. don't step up, they just don't step up. If the offensive line sucks, Burrow gets hurt again. Now we're wondering is he? You know, you, you have major. You have a couple of major injuries to start your career off. That can, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a Sam Bradford type of career. And I, I don't believe that's going to happen to Burrow. But the offensive line has to step up. He got hit way too many times. It's kind of a. It was. You know, he got lucky. He made it as far as he did without suffering any kind of significant injury. But uh, it's that's the story. I mean, everything else is, you know, it's important, but it's not going to affect the future of the franchise. This will. Right. And which leads me to my next point. Joe Mixon is the most important t- uh, person on that offense, bar none, in my estimation. Because if Joe Mixon comes out and is strong and has a dominant season with Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach who is back for the first time since 2018 when uh, Joe Burrow had uh, one of his best years uh, as a uh, NFL running back. He was he really responded to Frank Pollock uh, very, very well. He's back in town, uh, partly because of Mixon. And if Joe Mixon can have that kind of year, a dominating year, I think that can take a lot of pressure off of uh, Joe Burrow. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you listen to the outside media. It's all about Joe Burrow. It's all about those three receivers. But you talk to people around the team. It's, you know, they believe in Joe Mixon. They believe he's going to be a big piece of this offense and he's going to keep, you know, much more balanced. You know, where, you know, Burrow's not dropping back every time the defense is just pinned theirs. They're going to have to respect Mixon. They are. And the thing I'll tell people that are watching this podcast right now that should be very excited about Joe uh, Joe Mixon has a burst right now that we haven't seen since his rookie year or his second year in the NFL. He coming off the foot injury looks like he is running as fast and as most importantly, as explosively as he ever has. And if he can do that, especially get get to the outside, not only on runs, but screen passes, uh, which Burrow has been working quite a bit with him on uh, here early in training camp. If they can perfect that and get Burrow in space, he can be a dynamic, dynamic threat in the offense. And Mixon loves Pollock. He has all the faith in the world in Pollock. And you're seeing that because he's hitting these holes with more speed instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to have to juke a guy here. I'm going to have to juke a guy there. He's hitting these holes knowing they're going to be open and I can get to daylight. So we were speaking uh, on Monday today as we record this um, with the man who believes this team, uh, why not us going to the Super Bowl and winning it all in 2021? Uh, CJ Uzama, of course, he's coming off that Achilles injury uh, in week number two against the Browns last year. He says, I'm 100% once the doctors told me that. Uh, I was ready to go and happy. And, you know, he sounded so optimistic on Monday. And then you put Drew Sample in there as well. He also spoke on Monday. It was tight end day at Paul Brown Stadium before practice. Both of them said, if we give Joe Mixon a sliver of daylight, that's all he needs. And it was almost as if it was this uh, sigh of relief, uh, Jason, that, you know, they don't have to hold their blocks for a Two, two full counts, two, two seconds. If they just get in the way of an onrushing edge, they can give Mixon the, the, the space he needs to break loose. Oh, yeah, we've seen it throughout Mixon's career. He's, you know, played behind some pretty bad offensive lines, and he'll, he'll make two or three guys miss in the backfield just to get two or three yards. And now he's going to not – now when he's making those guys miss, he's going to be getting 10 to 15 yards – yeah, and you know what, uh, Jason, you remember the run last year against Jacksonville. That might be the, his, his best run of the year last year, right? I mean, he had a safety who was, you know, in theory, as fast as he is, as quick as he is, and he made one juke and then st- sidestepped to his right, and he was in the end zone. That's the, the potential of Joe Mixon in open space. That's why, you know, myself included among other observers of this team early in training camp when they when we see Joe Mixon getting the ball in in the flat clearly the Bengals see what we see and what all fans see if you get Joe Mixon in space he can do big time damage and I I'm not for one worried about his attitude you know he hasn't spoken to the reporters yet. That'll come when it comes. You know, Corey Dillon obviously wasn't, you know, great with the media. He didn't have a great media rapport all the time. But Joe Mixon looks like he has a great rapport with his teammates. And to me, that's a big deal. Absolutely. And unfortunately, with the offensive line being so bad recently, we've not got to see uh, Mixon or Giovanni Bernard when he, he was – I mean, Bernard was one of the better pass-catching backs in the NFL. And we just – 
we right. hardly ever saw them throw to him because they always had to stay back and help the offensive line. They had to help ship someone. They didn't ever, they didn't get to run passing routes enough. And now hopefully Mixon will get to do that. Two things. I think you're going to see a lot of outside zone runs for Mixon uh, because he has the quickness to get outside and take advantage uh, of that, uh, you know, mobile offensive line uh, strategy that I think we're going to see from Frank Pollock, and you're going to see a lot of bootlegs. You're going to see a lot of misdirection to try and get not only Mixon in space, but get Burrow a clean area around him. And that doesn't necessarily mean offensive linemen have to be in front of him, but just get him to a point where he doesn't have people in his face. So he gets a clean look down the field. I think that is going to be a big part uh, of the Zach Taylor offense this year. Absolutely. And again, they have guys that they believe are going to step up. They believe that Jonah Williams at left tackle, he's going to have a big year. And they believe in Riley Reef, who he helped block for Dalvin Cook to have some great seasons in Minnesota and then in Detroit. Um, I forget, um, his name forgets me. Oh, uh, that, so, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you somebody else that, I mean, I think the Bengals are in a good position in their offensive line that they weren't necessarily so and granted we haven't even begun preseason games yet we haven't even begun pads which begin this week uh, at Paul Brown Stadium Uh, but when you take a look at the interior offensive line uh, for the Bengals they have some options on uh, Monday we saw a couple of guys that there's been a lot of talk about what will be their role on the interior offensive line for the Bengals in 2021. Michael Jordan was at left guard and Carmen Jackson, uh, Jackson Carmen, I should say was at uh, right guard. And of course, I think Michael Jordan has a lot to prove this year. I mean, everybody knows what happened in the Washington game. It was his man that came over, um, Jordan and beat him and you know Jordan pushes him into Joe Burrow and Burrow uh, Burrow's season comes to an end Michael Jordan has a lot to prove you agree with that oh absolutely I, I think this is it for him I mean you know he's questionable coaching you know from Jim Turner the past couple of years now he's got Frank Pollock one of who's widely regarded as one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL so this is it for him and uh I'm I'm still hoping to see something from Billy Price, the former first round pick. Um, he's he's just been taking, some- yeah, he's been taking first team snaps, but only really as a placeholder uh, until Trey Hopkins gets back. And that he's Trey Hopkins has got a clean bill of health. They're just easing him in until you know the pads come on. You're going to see Trey Hopkins starting center. But your point again about Billy Price? Oh, he's just had injuries ever since he came. I mean, he tore his pec uh, leading up to the NFL draft. Then he had the foot injury uh mid-season then he had plantar fasciitis the next season and then he's been being coached by Jim Turner the last couple seasons which it just seems like everyone just didn't do good under him um yeah I would it'll be good to see what a full year under a full healthy year under Pollock Billy Price can do that's something I want to see well and if nothing else Jason, it gives the Bengals some depth along the offensive line, a luxury they haven't really been able to afford uh, in the last couple of seasons. Every team has depth, but it's the quality depth of a guy that you can you know, plug into a hole and have a decent amount of confidence that this guy has the experience, the knowledge to play that position and come in and really not miss a beat. Of course, you know, the guards, I think, you know, barring injury that are, will start the season are Quentin Spain, 
Um, and I think uh, Xavier uh, Suafilo, I think those two guys are going to be the guards to start the season on the offensive line. Yeah, and, th- and those are two quality veterans. I mean, Spain showed some flashes last year, and he came in midseason. So it will be really nice to see what he can do again. Full year under Pollock, you know, f- know the system, you know, get some. He already has some chemistry with his linemen. Now he's going to have a full year of it. If everybody stays healthy, Jason Markham of SB Nation and uh, Cincy Jungle, if everybody stays healthy, reasonably so. Joe Burrow stays upright. What is the ceiling in win totals for the 2021 Bengals? I'm thinking nine and eight. I feel like the, again, the first half of the season, it sets up well for them to get to the bye week with the winning record. Gets a little more difficult the second half, but again, they've built that confidence. They've got, you know, air, they've got a lot of moving parts that are going to, you know, they still need to build chemistry together. And, you know, hopefully by then, they've gotten to a point where they can pull some upsets, you know, maybe win that last game at Cleveland. Well, and, you know, a lot of those games at the end of the season, you just don't know what teams like that are going to be playing for. If they're going to be playing for home field advantage, playing for the division, playing for seating, you just don't know. The two games that I want to know in the first half, how do they respond at Pittsburgh uh, in week number three and home to Green Bay, I believe it's week number six. Those two games are going to tell me what I need to know early on about these Bengals and what kind of character they have. Uh, And if they come out of that with maybe a split or if they even sweep those two games, I actually think this team is talent wise capable of winning 11 to 12 games. And people are, you know, a lot of people are going to laugh at that, but it's funny what a little momentum will do to a young team that's got a talent uh, and has a quarter like quarterback like Joe Burrow can do uh, if they get on a roll early in the season it really is going to hinge on that to me in a way it kind of sets up like that first season with Andy Dalton and AJ Green when I mean they were widely projected to be you know the worst if not the second or third worst yeah and they had a what turned out to be a tremendous first half of the schedule you know teams like the Colts without Peyton Manning when he was hurt a lot of rebuilding teams and it gave them the confidence to go into that second half and get the wins they needed to get to nine wins and make the playoffs. Well, it's been a pleasure, uh, Jason. I really appreciate you joining me here on a jungle roar and uh, I'll be following your stuff on SB nation for sure. You can follow Jason Markham on Twitter at Markham 89 M A R C U M eight nine course he does great work for uh covering the bengals for sb nation uh cincyjungle.com most of you already follow him and know that site uh like the back of your hand he also is a proud member of a sea of blue uh you want to talk about the sea of blue real quick and and uh, what you're expecting this year for uk oh uh, yeah running that site too uh kentucky football they're you know, for the first time I could in forever, they're consistently producing NFL players every year, NFL draft picks. And that's one of the biggest reasons why they've, you know, come so far in the SEC and, you know, in a division where it's every year, Florida, Georgia, and then usually ten- teams like Tennessee and for a while South Carolina. But now they're consistently the third or even sometimes second best team in that division. So it's going to be really interesting to see. They've got a favorable schedule to, you know, potentially contend for the top spot. It'll be, you know, Georgia got to get that monkey off their back. But yeah. uh, it should be another fun year. Should be another you fun, you know, thinking seven, eight wins, maybe, maybe nine. You getting down to Commonwealth Stadium at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good. Saturday. How, how many home games they have? The uh, Six or seven? 
It's normally seven. So uh, you'll be down there for covering the uh, Wildcats down at Commonwealth Stadium. Well, it, it really was a pleasure. I'll have to have you back on, Jason. Uh, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. And have a great night. I want to thank everybody for downloading this episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. Thank our terrific guest, Jason Markham. Uh, he writes for SB Nation covering the Cincinnati Bengals at CincyJungle.com. I'm Mike Petralia, and keep that jungle roar.